Good morning. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Maureen Z, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, January 26th, and we are reading from the big book. We are on page 20, and we will be reading this from the third paragraph that starts how many times people have talk, said to us. For two paragraphs, ending with are very different from ours. Today's readers are Marion H, 12 Steps, Matt M, 12 Traditions, Katie G, and Janice PM. Reference numbers for yesterday, Thursday, January 25th, 7 a.m. meeting, 10966, 10966. And yesterday's 10 a.m. meeting, 10967, 10967. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Marion H., would you please read the 12 steps of OA? Good morning, this is Marion H. from Florida, the 12 steps. One, we admitted we're powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching, fearless, and moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of characters. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and have willing to make uh, amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, would try to carry this message to compulsive overreader and practice this principle in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me serve to service. 
and I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Mary and H. Matt M., would you please read the 12 traditions? Thank you, Maura. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M., compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions, number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon all unity. Two, for our group purpose, there has been one ultimate authority. A loving God is he may express himself on a group conscience. Our leaders are the trusted servants that do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has the one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater and still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Let's promise the money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, ovaries and anonymous remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such will never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name will never be drawn to public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We all we need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Matt M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the person speaking, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We are on page 20, and we're starting with the third paragraph which starts how many times people have said to us, we're reading through two paragraphs, ending with, are very different from ours. And Katie G., would you get us started, please? I will, Maura. Good morning, my friends. This is Katie G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic and Bulimic in Boston, Mass. How many times people have said to us, I can take it or leave it alone. Why can't he? Why don't you drink like a gentleman or quit? That fellow can't handle his liquor. Why don't you try beer and wine? Lay off the hard stuff. His willpower must be weak. He could stop if he wanted to. She's such a sweet girl. I should think he'd stop for her sake. The doctor told him that if he ever drank again, it would kill him. But there he is, all lit up again. Now, these are commonplace observations on drinkers, which we hear all the time. Back of them is a world of ignorance and understanding. Oh, excuse me, misunderstanding. We see these expressions refer to people whose reactions are very different from ours. 
Yeah, so much here. So um, they're they're, these people, their reactions are very different from ours. And what difference are we talking about here? Well, difference meaning distinct, unusual, and special. And so when I came in here and was learning about the problem, I have my physical allergy, right? So the difference between me and my husband is I put certain food substances and food behaviors into my body and I am without defense to continue eating beyond my beyond oblivion. Um, and then I have an obsession of the mind and my obsession of the mind is completely based um, on me and my selfishness and my, you know, I look through the world with these glasses of self-centered fear. Um, but reading some of these observations, like how many times did people say to me, oh, you have such a pretty face, just eat in moderation. Um, and then the doctor telling me, if you don't put on weight, you're going to die. You know, that's peach fuzz on your arms. And all of that is frothy emotional appeal. Like it didn't matter to me. My brother told me, you look like a cancer patient and you're going to die. You know what? I was grateful because it meant I was thin. And when people said to me, oh, are you okay? You look so sick. You know what I thought? They're jealous. They're jealous of the 110 pounds that are like barely covering my 5'7 frame. People don't, normal people don't think that way. Like normal people, if you tell them you're dying from anorexia or, you know, if you eat again, you know, you're going to die they stop or moderate and i and the 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 um it says ignorance which is lack of um knowledge and misunderstanding yeah people don't get that i spent my entire life trying to fight a disease that i have no power no choice and no control that when i put certain foods ingredients into my body i cannot stop but I have no choice from starting again. And I have a mental illness, um, <clears throat> you know, and the mental illness is the greater aspect of my disease. And it looks at the world before I'm recovered. And now when I am recovered and, and needing to do a 10 step, I look at the world and your reaction and I assume it's all about me, right? And what happens is, is I get so restless, irritable and discontented. If I don't now do a 10 step, or prior, if I don't get relief, eating is going to be a step up. Eating is my solution. So it's not just that I'm a sweet girl and I can lay off the stuff. I have no power, lack of power, that is my dilemma. And what a miracle, I'll just close with this, what a miracle today that I have a power greater than me that can restore me and can continue to restore me to sanity one day at a time. I'm going to keep showing up with all of you all. It is a privilege. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. And so, um, saying your name just once with your last initial, would you please let me know by pressing star one? Who would like to share on what was read this morning? Elizabeth D. Elizabeth D. I heard nothing after Elizabeth D. Melissa C. Kim G. Somebody asked. I can't hear the person with the S. That's okay, honey. Najia. Thank you. Say that for me. N as in Nancy. A as in 
attitude, Z as in zigzag, double I as in igloo, A as in abstinence. Najia, thank you. And did I hear Christine K also? Kathy. Yeah. Or Chris yeah. Christine K? Yes. And was there a Kathy? Yes, Kathy K. Kathy K. Okay, that's a good list. Let's go with that. I'll tell you who I have. If I missed you, try again next time. Elizabeth D. Melissa C. Vasa O. Kim G. Najia. Christine K. And Kathy K. Elizabeth D., please go ahead. Thank you. Can I be heard? Yes, thank you. My name's Elizabeth D. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in the Boston area. I'm grateful to be on the line this morning and um, grateful to have heard what was read and heard what I just heard from a fellow, um, which really sums up, uh, summed up very well the nature of, of my illness. What I want to share on is just the where we are in the book. Um, this is step one for me. It is absolutely step one that I recognize that I am one of the people, the hopeless people that they're talking about in this chapter. For years and years, I would go to OA meetings, I would sit in that chair, I would have the diet in hand, the food plan from whatever sponsor I had, and I would say, okay, I'm working the program. And it, whether I was thin or fat didn't matter. And someone would be up at the podium saying, the, the, the recovery is in the steps. And I would say, well, no, not for me. The recovery is not in the steps for me. I'm different. I'm a single mom. I work full time. I don't have time to do that work. And I would sit in that chair and I would compare myself to that person and everyone else. What I am called to do when I finally got desperate was to look into these chapters and identify myself as one of those hopeless people where the only solution for someone like me is the steps of this program. There is no willpower. There, that, that will, uh, you know, there is no human power that will remove my, uh, my mental obsession. I am hopeless. And it's tough to hear this, but what I did at the time when I was getting started was I just put myself in the hands of my higher power. And at the time, you know, when I didn't really fully understand what a higher power could do for me, I just had to put my hand, myself in the hands of the process and surrender to this process and live with the uncomfortability, if that's a word, um, for, for as long as it took to develop that relationship with the higher power. But I know who I am today. Um, and there's no misunderstanding. I'm powerless over food, and my life is unmanageable. And I am so grateful to know that to the core of my being and to have a solution. And it's in these chapters, and I'll pass. Thank you, Elizabeth. Melissa C., it is your turn, followed by Vata O. Hi, good morning, Maura. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. Recovered, compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, so behind all those statements is like a world of um, 
lack of information, you know, because I've heard for years, you know, you're you're a pretty girl. If you could just lose some weight, you know, like look at your husband, your kids, you've got everything, you know, to live for. Um, if you could just like cut back, you know, like I've heard that all my life. Plus, if you could just cut back a little bit, you know, if you could cut back on your eating, take off some weight, um, you know, like even doctor's warnings. I've, I had a doctor, you know, tell me, um, you're going to die of morbid obesity. You probably won't live through your 40s. Um, your blood pressure is dangerously high. And, um, you know, every lecture, my mother-in-law crying to me that she was afraid I was going to leave my children um, without a mother. Uh, they made me so uncomfortable, these people's words, that um, either I would immediately, you know, try a diet just to sort of shut them down, shut them up, and the diet never lasted. You know, it would be quick, in and out, or, you know, by the end, um, I couldn't even stomach listening to people telling me things, well-meaning people. So I would stand there quietly, like in my head, listing all the things that they've done to me throughout the years. Um, so I was like hanging on to my resentment while they were trying to help me. And um, I would be angry and embarrassed and ashamed. And as soon as they left, I ate. Like, you know, that's what separated me. They all meant well. You know, but I couldn't even see it. And, you know, like, so fast forward today, um, I'm recovered. Those same people, they love me. They still don't understand what I have. They still will say things like, wait, what do you mean you have to bring your own food? Or we're having this. It'll be okay. You know, it's, it, you know I don't think there's any sugar in it. Like, they don't, they don't get it, but they don't have to. I have to get it. You know, if you're suffering from this, you're the one that has to get it. Um, and the rest of the people, um, God bless them. If they don't have what I have, um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Vasa O, it is your turn, followed by Kim G. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Maura, for your service. And good morning, everyone. I'm grateful recovered compulsive overeater calling from Florida. And this is really a good paragraph. It brings me right back, you know, when you know when I was into my disease, you know, and uh, and I would beat myself up. Why can't you do this? Why? What's wrong with you? I had no knowledge. I had no understanding what was wrong with me, till I found uh, till I came to Overeaters Anonymous. I did not know about the allergy of the body. I didn't know much about the mental obsession. I knew I could not stop thinking about the food, and, uh, and I thought I needed to have my own willpower to be able to stop it. And I tried many, many, many times to stop it, but I could never keep it down. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, but I remember also pointing my finger to the alcoholic before I understood about my own disease. And I remember, <clears throat> excuse me, pointing, um, you know, like not saying to the alcoholic, but in my mind, thinking, why can't they just put it down? What's wrong with them? Why, they, why are they drinking? Well, I could not relate. I, I had no understanding they had the same disease as I did. They had this allergy and uh, with a mental obsession. I, so that's when I started understanding and having a 
compassion for the alcoholic that in my home tried to put it down so many times and picked it up. My own mom struggling with the food. The doctors kept on telling her, you gotta, you're going to die. She couldn't. She didn't know how. Well, thank God that I have a program. And I do believe my mother probably was praying in heaven for me. You know, And what she went through, for me, I was beginning to go through. And my disease was getting progressive. I wasn't obese. I was probably like 30 pounds overweight by the time I came to Overeaters Anonymous. And I had the gift of desperation. I remember saying, and if I don't do something about it, you know, and I'm going to die. So I am so grateful that I was educated here and that I found a power greater than myself that could help me that I couldn't do by myself. And no human power could have done for me what uh, my higher power is doing, not with, the just, not with just the food, with everything in my life, gradually by working the 12 steps, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Kim G, it is your turn, followed by Najia. Good morning, Mara. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim J. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. You know, these questions, are, as, as they're indicating, are not questions that I would ask someone on this line who is a real compulsive overeater. These are questions that a non-compulsive overeater would ask a real compulsive overeater, and it would make no sense. And this is important to me because I, a big part of knowing who I am is knowing who I am not. And if these questions work for somebody to keep them abstinent and happy, then the conventional diet program would work for them. You know, we're going to learn in the next couple paragraphs about the moderate and heavy eaters. And by hearing these, these sharings, I, I started to reflect and I changed my share because I was going to talk about diet programming, diet, conventional diet programs versus OA. But what I really heard was, you know, there's a lot of moderate and heavy eaters in Overeaters Anonymous. You know, if you can work the tools only in OA, that is not a non-spiritual basis. If you can just have a food plan and use OA as a group support program and be happy and abstinent, that's a non-spiritual basis. So I started to think about what are the things I heard in the rooms from non-compulsive overeaters that worked for them that is similar to the questions we heard. So I just started, you know, writing some of them down. Keep it green. Think the drink through. Remember your last drunk. Share it or wear it. Meeting makers make it. Service is slimming. Nothing tastes as good as abstinence feels. It's easier to stay abstinent than to get abstinent. We're as sick as our secrets. Food and weight is my problem. Whoever wakes up first has the most abstinence. One day at a time being only about the food, and abstinence makes me feel better. Now, for those of you that are confused, saying, wait a minute, those are, those are sayings I hear all the time in the rooms. Call a recovered person. Have a discussion and find out why those sayings will not work if you're a real compulsive overeater. So if there is a solution, this chapter is so relevant to me. Why? Because I know my problem. You know, on New Year's Day, I woke up, and I went to turn on my shower, and my pipes were frozen. And I was a little freaked out. But I have to tell you, I didn't call an electrician because an electrician cannot help me when my pipes are frozen. So if food and weight is really your problem, then conventional diet programs will work and those slogans will work. 
But if you're a real compulsive overeater, if you cannot take it or leave it alone, if the consequences of your eating are not sufficient to have you stop or moderate, if you have the allergy, you're going to have to put the food down and have entire abstinence. And if you have this mental twist, you're going to have to have an entire psychic change, which means you're going to have to put the food down and you're going to have to do the steps 1 through 12 in order and have a spiritual experience. But let me tell you, on the other side of step 12, you will be happy, joyous, and free, which has been my experience. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Now, Gia, would you give us your last initial, and please correct me if I'm saying that wrong. It's Najia S. Thank you. I'm Najia S. I am a compulsive overeater, recovered, and I haven't been working my solution for 20 years by the grace of God. I thank you for your service, and I thank everyone that is on the line. I wanted to focus in on what, in fact, my higher power guided me, God, whom I choose to call God, wanted me to focus on there is a solution, like there is a sky. That's real. There is a sun. That's real. There is a moon. That's real. And it's very real that there is a solution. My solution did not work. My solution was in aisle six, Stelladora and Company. There was another aisle that had my solution, aisle 12, Hershey Bar and Company. There was the fasting, the dieting, more fasting, Jenny Craig, Susie Craig, Mary Craig, and none of it worked. And it wasn't until, thank you God, that I hit a bottom. And I thank God for humbling me into that bottom or giving me the gift of humility to say, I need I need this program because I didn't need it. I had it like that and I could handle it. But I, I love the power and mercy and grace of God that allowed me to hit a bottom and come in and see the truth. And the truth is there really is a solution. And I guess I could say there is sort of a solution in the Hershey's bar, but it only lasted like 10 seconds. And it didn't hit the real areas of my life that needed to be hit. And what really needed to hit was the spiritual part of me. See, those were worldly solutions. They didn't work. They didn't work for me. And so I'm grateful for the gift of memory, the pain, the pain. I remember that pain. I don't want to ever go back to being with that pain, being in the food, hurting people because I was hurting, being dishonest, having to be number one. All of that is the spiritual, for me, is the spiritual part of the disease that needs the solution. And the solution I've come to find is working these steps. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I don't have to go into a Weight Watchers or Jenny Craig, Susie Craig, Mary Craig, aisle six, seven, twelve, and that big aisle on the end to find my solution. It's right here. Am I willing to do the work? Yes, I am. Because I love the spiritual transformation. And, and, and even though it says there is a solution, there is transformation, there is healing, there is restoration, there is victory, there is deliverance. It doesn't say it. But that's what happens when I live, work, believe in, and continue to work in this. 
there is a solution. So for my sisters and brothers that are coming in, um, Time. The truth, thank you, the truth of the matter, there is a solution and it's real. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Najia. Christine Kay, it is your turn, followed by Kathy Kay. Good morning. Um, this is Christine Kay in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I wanted to share on this paragraph because when I went through the book with my um, sponsor about a, two years ago, I put all these notes on the side in the margins. And I've had this book for 20 years because I have been in OA since I'm, I don't know, 23 years old. And I didn't, I didn't get it until I was finally, until I was like, I don't know, 46 years old, 47 years old. Um, because all these questions, how many times people have said to us, I can take it or leave it alone. Why can't he? Why, why, why? I circled all the whys. And in the margin, I wrote, the question why brings me such shame because I thought it was something I could control. And the why I couldn't stop brought me so much shame. Why am I still doing this? Why am I still returning to food time and time again? And the scary part is that I never left OA. I was in like, you know, I went to meetings all the time and people were, keep coming back, keep starting over. And um, the solution was here in the book. Food was never my problem. Food was always my solution. And, um, you know, I, I felt successful in my life in so many areas. Um, I was a good, I'm a great employee. I always got great reviews when I was observed. I'm a teacher. And, um, but there was this one little part of me. I couldn't stop eating. And no matter what, I always returned to the food. And it brought so much shame to me because I thought it was something I could control. And when I finally, you know, I listened to Vision for You and I felt better. But then life kept happening and I kept reacting the same way, you know. And then someone said on the line, you're not going to get better by listening to Vision for You. You're going to get better by doing the work. And I was like, okay, like, so what does that mean? What is, what, what are you, what is she talking about? And so um, finally I was desperate enough that I was just like, hey, my name is Christine Kay. I don't know what you're all doing, but I need some help. And somebody, oh, my gosh, I'm so grateful for this day that she texted me and said I can take you through the doctor's opinion. And I was like, okay, I don't know what that means, but I'm willing. And today, in this moment, it, that was April 2016, and I became recovered in August of 2016 after having a guide take me through this book. I don't feel that way anymore about why can't I stop eating. I know why I can't stop eating because I have a mental obsession with food and a physical reaction when I put my binge foods into my body. Being a compulsive overeater is as much a part of me as it is that I have blue eyes and that I'm five six. Um, it, it's just who I am, and there is Time. no shame because I'm uniquely qualified to help the next compulsive overeater. And thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you, Christine. Kathy Kate, it is your turn. Uh, thank you, Mara. Can you hear me? 
Yes, thank you. Okay, great. This is Kathy Kay from Boston. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Wow. Um, you know, um, I had some very limiting beliefs uh, when I first came to OA, which I was not at all aware of until I did my intensive study of the 12 steps. Just a few of them. I'm not as sick as other people because I only have a small amount of weight to lose. Another one, um, there is no God, so I can just ignore the spiritual part of this program and work a food plan, work the tools of OA, and I'll be okay. Another one, um, I'm diabetic. And um, as long as I don't gain a lot of weight, uh, my diabetes won't hurt me. Um, When in fact, every time I eat compulsively, my blood sugar goes up and that is an attack on my organs. Those are just a few um, that had me uh, thinking Uh, I wasn't as sick as the next person, and I could work the OA program the way I wanted to. Um, And you know, I did that for 15 years. Um, I lost a little weight, um, but I did not, um, I did not, uh, experience any kind of psychological or spiritual, uh, um, transformation, and I ended up uh, eventually going back to the food every six months or so. And it wasn't until I had a big book sponsor who really had me uh, do the work in the 12 steps that I became aware of all the false beliefs that I carried around with me. And also that, in fact, most of my illness was between my ears. Um, And I have had a transformation now because I do, on a daily basis, set aside all my old ideas and sit with my higher power uh, to learn what his will for me is today. And that's a huge transformation. Um, I, I cannot believe that I am the same person I am the same physical person, but I have clearly had a transformation. And it all began um, with becoming humble, open, and teachable. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy Kay. All right. Reminder for those who have joined us late, we are on page 20. We're reading from the third paragraph that starts how many times people have said to us, reading through two paragraphs and ending are very different from ours. So if you'd give me your name one time, let me know if you'd like to share by pressing star one. Lisa B. Roz G. Lisa B. This is Larry. Melanie C. I heard somebody with a G. Roz. Roz G. I got you, Larry. I got you, Melanie. Cynthia C. Cynthia C. I think we'll stop there because I don't know that we're going to get through everybody. We will and hang on if we can.
Ooh, oh dear. Okay. Um, I have, hang on. Trust me, you were happy I muted. I have Lisa B, Matt B, Matt M. <laughs> Lisa B, Matt M, Raj, Raj G, Larry K, Melanie C, Cynthia C, and I think I heard a Llewellyn. I don't know that we're going to get through everyone, but Lisa B, would you get us started, please? Good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. Thank you for your service, and thank you for everyone that's here this morning. Uh, the line that I wanted to talk about was we see that these expressions refer to people whose reactions are very different from ours. So I have felt different my whole life. Um, I have always felt like kind of just something is missing, less than, um, sometimes I have felt better than, but often just felt like an outsider, lonely, even in a group of people. So when I started to see that I am different with food than others, um, that was a very painful place. And um, I'll just speak from my relationship with my husband. You know, he loves me very much. He wants only the best for me, but he is not an addict. He's not an alcoholic. He doesn't understand this concept of compulsive overeating and having a physical allergy or the spiritual malady or the mental obsession. So for years, you know, um, he would wonder why. Why can't I have just this? You know, or don't be so rigid. Don't be so rigid. You know, that will set yourself up. And it wasn't until I was able to come into a room, well, on the phone line with you guys, and hear the voice of recovered, a recovered state from this illness. And um, I started to identify in more and more and more. And when I got a recovered sponsor and started hearing her share with me what food did for her where it took her and then where these steps took her you know that that um feeling of loneliness and isolation went away and i was aware of a sense of joy because i was embracing who and what i really am and i've heard it said you know the truth will set you free but then i've also heard on this line but in the beginning it'll really piss you off and you know i have to say i don't know that i was really pissed off i think i was just relieved i was relieved oh now i understand you know what is really wrong with me but you know those walls of denial can come back so easily and i'll i'll start to think well this time it'll be different and this malady will never go away it'll always be with me but i also know i can be in a state of permanent recovery but i need to associate with others who have the same malady because that veil starts to come over my eyes like I see other people eating without any impunity any harm and I'll start to think oh I can do that you know and that's why I love these steps every day I love working with others I love working with recovered fellows and with sponsees but the other thing I want to share is you know I talk to newcomers all the time and so many times I'll hear people say well I don't know I really believe in that higher abstinence you know rigidity has been a setup for me in the past and it's made me relapse when I've tried to be too perfect and I could really identify with that because I felt that way too I tried to be too perfect and then I would Time. always go back out so get with a recovered fellow who understands this work thank you so much I pass thank you Lisa B madam it is your turn followed by Roz G can you hear me yes thank you Thank you, Warren. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt. I'm the most overheater. 
Yeah, this paragraph talking about how many times people have said to us, I could take it and leave it alone, and all the other things that they're said in this paragraph. This is the court of public opinion here. This is how normal people observing a compulsive reader and alcoholic in his cups see us. You know, they always think that we, why can't, people used to tell me we've met, why can't you just stop eating? Why can't you have just one? Why don't you try this diet? Why don't you try that diet? Uh, why don't you go to your doctor? Maybe he can give you some medication to help you stop. You know, it's it's like the frothy emotional appeal suffices from the doctor's opinion. It, it's so true. People have told me that many times. Like, what, and then they would, they would try to tell me all these things, like, you know, or, or talk about me behind my back. Like, I didn't, like, I couldn't hear them, you know. And the people have to do, my doctor's always told me, Matt, if you don't stop the eating, you're the one of getting having a heart attack. But that, just like it says, the doctor told me if we ever drank, it would kill him. They said, you're never going to make it to 20. You're never going to make it to 30. You're never going to make it to 40. And I, I keep proving them wrong every time, but I'm still morbidly obese. And, like, you know, you think that they, that would get through my head sometimes. But, you know, I'm very stubborn, and stubbornness is a deadly thing for me. It's a bad character defect. But, uh, yeah, it's amazing how people look at me and they think that, why can't I just stop eating? If it was only that simple, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have been in the rooms. I wouldn't be here at all. If, if, if a mere diet or mere more code of moral ethics would would help me, I, I would uh, wouldn't be in the rooms. I would have been thin already. I would have been like uh, recovered. So it's not it's not as simple as it thought. Easy tense, easy tense to hear, but hard to face sometimes. Because I mean, looking at looking at myself in the mirror and seeing things I don't actually like about myself, and they're not not not, not good qualities. I have some qualities that I'm not really proud of, and you know what? They come up all the time. So it's like facing yourself in the mirror every day and. Uh, I don't have to be alone with that. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Roz G., it is your turn, followed by Larry K. Good morning. My name is Roz G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Haven't shared on this meeting for a long time, I'm hoping. Um, um I can think of three different occasions when people tried to talk to me about my weight and didn't understand my problem. The first one was, well, that I, that I thought of this morning, was that I was uh, in my best friend's wedding. And um, she took me to a department store to um, buy me a, a, a bridesmaid's dress, a maid of honor dress. And um, I was in the dressing room and I saw this one pretty dress. It was a slender dress that I liked. And I tried it on and really could not zip it up. And I was in; she was in the dressing room with me, and it was so humiliating. I mean, it's years ago, but I can remember it very vividly. And it was—I just felt so bad. So she said, "I think you're more of a form-fitting gal." She was trying to be kind. So of course, I got a big, large dress that would just hang over myself. And she—she she said. Stick with the winners because she's in, in the AA and that's one of those slogans. I heard every slogan that Kim mentioned a while ago. I had all heard all of them, thought that they were they would get me sober, I mean, uh, abstinent. And she, she wore a size two and she would say, you can do it. Just stick with the winners. So that didn't work. And then I remember on Christmas once my mom buying my two sisters uh, colorful sweaters and me a black sweater and I got mad because my sister said to me well it looks as though you could stand to lose a few pounds just just put your food on one salad size plate that's your serving and I got mad and we went upstairs and I just wanted to cry and pout and cuss on Christmas day and uh, my mom said you can do this 
this is easy. All you have to do, and she went up, you know, about all the things that the dieting um, strategies for me to do. And of course, I believed her. She was mom, but it was, you know, how long? Fifteen? I don't know how many years till I got here, till I got it, because I was in OA too, just like Kathy. And I was looking at all the um, bigger people than me because I exercised so much that I didn't get to a certain weight. I thought, well, I'm not 200 pounds, so I'm not like them. And I would judge the other people who were bigger than me. And, you know, I hit my own kind of bottom, but it wasn't until I followed the instructions in this book and that I continue to follow the instructions by working with other people having 10, you know, taking 10-step calls and giving 10-step calls and understanding what's behind that food is my human emotions that I hear about so much uh, on this line. Thank you, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Roz G. Larry Kate, it's your turn, followed by Melanie C. Hey, Maura. Thanks for your service. I'm Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, you know, I think, I think at the heart of the matter of this misunderstanding that we're reading about is that, you know, that each day there's this kind of rich and complex world going on just beyond our veil of human perception. And uh, I didn't know what I didn't know. I couldn't see what I couldn't see. And the thing about it is, as humans, we tend to assume that we can see and we can feel and we can experience everything there is to be perceived in life. And and I, and I think we're conditioned at birth to believe that, that we're some sort of infallible being that, uh, but we, we, maybe we suspect deep down that we, we don't have all the answers. You know, a normal eater doesn't understand why I can't eat one Hershey's kiss a day. They, they, they just don't get it. I, I have a friend that can eat one Hershey's kiss a day. And see, I never understood why she didn't eat a one pound bag like I did day after day. See, and what, what science does, you know, does, um, and what science can, can recognize is only a, a minuscule fraction of what likely exists beyond my perceptions. I didn't understand. There, there was no microscope to prove that a spiritual awakening is a real state of being. There, there, there's no tool. We don't have a tool that can measure that. Yet to those in whom the problem has been solved, through the implementation of these steps, no explanation is necessary. If you're on the line, you know what I mean. It, it's hard to articulate, really. And, and in fact, we can't articulate it. There's, there's no way. You, you, if you've experienced it, you just know it because, you, because it's experiential. We had to trust in the process, trust in the process, be willing, as someone said, to go through the uncomfortability, the horrible uncomfortability of putting those Hershey's kisses down, right? I had to do that. It was horribly uncomfortable. And when I did and I trusted in the process, a process that I didn't believe in, something happened. I changed. And now I know that it exists. My, percept my perceptive lenses have changed. Thank God for this program. With that, with that I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Melanie C., it is your turn, followed by Cynthia C. Good morning, Maura. Good morning, everyone. My name is Melanie C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater calling in from Oregon. I wanted to focus on, we see that these expressions refer to people whose reactions are very different from ours, very different from mine. 
However, I couldn't see it, and you've heard a lot about that this morning. The kinds of questions that are here in this first paragraph, I asked them about myself. I brought them to myself. I didn't have anybody in my sphere of influence that talked like this because I was in a, a family, a very good size, very many numbers of family members that um, ate just like I did. And um, our remedy was always to do what we do, and that was to diet it off. We couldn't get into that place. We couldn't get into that place that there was something different about this without judgmental um, accusations, those hurt things that you put upon yourself. You know, why can't I just leave this alone? Why, how can she eat like I do and never gain weight? I was convinced that people ate just like I did and they just never gained weight. And then I had to go to that place where because I believe in a God or sort of <laughs> believed in God, that it was a punishing thing. You're doing this to me because you hate me. And so then down that road I went. And so I was never available to be able to hear that there was something clinically and spiritually going on with me that wasn't happening to somebody else and that it wasn't a curse. It just was a fact. I couldn't get to that place. And so when I was introduced to Overeaters Anonymous, I took that same skill set into Overeaters Anonymous to find ways in which um, – this feeling inside me was still different and you didn't get me still. And so I needed to go find something else, something else, because I trained myself to find something else because it couldn't possibly be. And the insanity had grown so strong, so strong that I couldn't see or hear anything else. And when, and in hindsight, when I got to the end of me and I was so sick of my questions, so sick of my searching, I was just sick of me. I didn't want to hear my voice tone one more time. Then and only then, was I willing to do, it wasn't a thinking thing, I was willing to do what somebody laid out for me to do. And then that peer influence, because by God, I was not going to fail at that, because that was my MO coming in, I ended up getting what I had. And so my, my, um, my plea here this morning is, is if you can, for one moment, set all of the thinking aside, give this a try, if you're having any thought or any question about food getting in your way, then stay long enough for the steps to do what it does, which transforms lives, creates miracles, then what a blessing that would be. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Melanie C. Uh, Cynthia C., it is your turn. Thank you. This is Cynthia C. May I be heard? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your service. And Thank you to the service of everybody who shared on this line and makes this meeting happen so many days of the week. I'm incredibly grateful. Um, this is Cynthia C. And um, this, this paragraph, especially the how many times people have said to us, um, it brings back like almost painful memories. Um, the years, my whole life, where I had spent with people commenting on my weight or what I ate or the years and years, the 14 years I spent in Weight Watchers where I never got it, where they just said, if you just do this, if you just try this diet, if you just try this version. And I remember Weight Watchers leader getting frustrated that I'd been there for so long and yet I still, you know, would, would bounce up and down between X number of pounds and I would never get it. Um, you know, I remember this from being a young child where older relatives would tell me I was overweight and if I just did X, you know, that would be okay. And 
you know, and I could never do X because all of those things, all of those things that people were telling me to do meant doing them on my own willpower, that doing them on myself, because it was just for them a matter of willpower. And that never, ever, ever, never, ever worked for me. And I remember, you know, coming into program and feeling this unbelievable relief, just this complete, I guess, surrender and relief that no longer is it about me doing it on my own, that, that I can't, to really understand that I am a food addict and a compulsive overeater and I don't have, I am not equipped with the tools to just diet on my own, that my body has an allergic reaction, that I have an addiction to certain eating behaviors and I have an addiction specifically to certain foods and that when I consume those foods, I cannot just quit. I cannot do it moderately. I cannot stop. I go hog wild. Um, you know, and today, thank God, today I can surrender and, and I don't have to, and I'm not on my own. On a daily basis, I connect in with my higher power. I connect in with my sponsor. I connect in, you know, with other, with other recovering um compulsive overeaters and I reach out to newcomers and I have people call me and you know I open the big book and I and I read and I learn and I'm not alone today and the the huge relief I feel from that is is just unbelievable I I brings tears to my eyes I'm no longer alone and today I do have an answer and a solution so if you thank you if you are out there I just want to say there is an answer and just keep calling and reaching out to people and you can have freedom from it too. Thank you very much. With that, I pass. Thank you, Cynthia C. Lou Ellen, I believe that was the name I heard. If you are still out there, we have two minutes. Okay. It's Sue Ellen C. Thank you so much. I just really quickly, so grateful to hear everyone today and to, when I read this, these two paragraphs, I've read them before, but I understand them now thanks to this meeting so much better, knowing that I have, I am unable of my own will to control these things and how I tried. I would read those books that would say just, you know, eat a little and taste it. And then you, because if you try to restrict yourself from having it at all, it'll cause you to binge more. And I bought into that and I would try to just have a little or just have one meal a day. And I didn't understand that I was an addict that I was addicted to these foods. I knew it on one level. When I came into program, I saw it as a diet. Okay, here's the food plan. I didn't want to do the steps. I didn't want to make the phone calls. I didn't understand what the spiritual solution was. I didn't want to do it. I thought I had it. It's just a food plan. I'm okay. I'm addicted. I thought self-knowledge would avail me. It would help me, but it didn't. I had to do every bit of it, every step, kicking and screaming. And thank God I was able to to do it. What a gift. And I thank you all for sharing and explaining this to me. Thank you. Thank you, Sue Ellen. Okay, so let me make sure I've got this going correctly. Someone is unmuted. Okay, so that comes to the end of our meeting. And thank you so very much for everyone who shared. Today's share ID, Friday, January 26, 7 a.m. meeting. 10969. 10969. And um,
thank you again for everyone who shared. Um, please do stay and join us for our second unrecorded hour immediately following closing. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164. Janice PM, would you read that for us, please? I'd be glad. <clears throat> Pardon me. I'd be glad to. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose to you, more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But, obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.